I V M. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I am your host Anubhav Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and on today's episode, we have a returning guest, Nikhil Agarwal, founder and CEO of Grip Invest, and we are going to talk about what's happening at Grip, alternative fixed income investments, and much more. Right after this short break. And welcome back. And before I bring in our guest, folks, standard advisory, standard disclaimer. Please do your own research before investing. This is a podcast, not an advisory, not a recommendation, and not an endorsement. Nikhil, welcome back to Besa Besa. And this time in the studio, we recorded. Man, your episode played in December 2021, but that was online. So thank you so much for you know for dropping over out here. No, thanks uh, for having me over. It's a pleasure to do this in person. Yeah. Very very different experience <laughs> than chatting online. I look really bad. I know that. Thanks <laughs> for saying that. Okay, so for our first time listeners, you know who. Or probably haven't heard the episodes and by the way folks please do listen to the episodes for those who are club paisa paisa members the archives are completely accessible what does grip do sure may i take a step back and say why we started and then we can solve for what we do our view was that whatever you may invest in whatever your preferences are diversification is a very important theme i don't think there will be any investor globally who will say don't diversify our view was that most indian investors do not have the option to diversify because of limited products especially at a smaller ticket size and our the reason we started the company was to offer regulated predominantly fixed income products for people to create that better healthier portfolio with that mission in mind grip today offers five different products on our platform which allow users to invest anywhere between 10000 rupees to a lakh of rupees and begin the investment journey on the alternative side like i mentioned these are predominantly fixed income products and grip is responsible for curating and providing products that are probably not available anywhere else for investors to participate yeah i want to get into the structure here because one thing that i always like to clarify with my guests is what exactly are you in terms of regulatory overview are you you know a research advisory or are you a fund manager or are you a platform whatever so can we just get that out of sure. the way sure we are a platform and um, recently sebi came out with regulations called the online bond trading platform license which also allows us to apply for a stock broker in the debt segment license to offer certain listed rated products we have now applied for the license and in the process of of obtaining it as per the process at the same time we are a platform for other sebi regulated products including those through an aif or other listed products and hence the entity exists as a platform in the process of applying for a stock broker license yeah and what are your typical products i just realize i didn't ask you that maybe sure. our listeners are you know those someone who's not heard this from the december 2021 episode typically what are your products i'll take three examples of our most common products the first one is a corporate bond you know the companies like say navi five star muthoot who are raising money through listed rated ncds and we allow investors to participate these are typically available at a 10000 rupees ticket size right and to participate they're listed and rated hence they're held in your dmat account the second product that is very common on our platform is commercial real estate where investors can purchase part of a commercial real estate which is an office building or a warehouse and again own it at as little as 1 lakh rupees once again structured through a sebi regulated instrument the third product which is really our mainstay and which was probably why grip is best known is a lease finance based product i'll give an example let's say you lease a car to a company and you earn rental on it that is called lease financing that's a fixed income product that most of our users like to participate in because it gives them an asset backing with monthly 
returns. That's the third product we offer. And on our platform, it comes under the branding Lease X. Okay. So there was one question that I remember asking you back then, because when I land up and on your app or on your website, you give rates of returns. Okay. Because lease financing has, has a certain rate of return. And you you know what debt is. Debt is a little bit more complicated than equity. You put a sticker rate out there. People have certain thoughts in their head. I like the fact that you use the word IRR. Hmm. In all your products, I believe you say IRR, which is fundamentally different than rate of return. I mean, India is predominantly yes. a FD country, right? So when it says 7%, 7% is stuck out there. Yeah. You say IRR. That's okay? right. And we spoke about this in our previous I remember, episode. Yes. I want to revisit that. Just sure. tell us how IRRs work and, you know, in the spectrum of rates of return, where is this? What does it mean? Yeah. Let's talk about why rate of return became popular. Most people, when they think about debt, they think about that I will put money on day one today and then after one year, I will receive my principal and return back, right? It's a what is called a bullet repayment structure. However, a lot of financial investment products on the debt side actually give you monthly returns. And that means that your cash flows don't come in, in a bullet, but come over a period of time. Financially, the best way to, to measure these timely returns or multiple returns is through a concept called IRR. It puts a value of time to a return where 100 rupees received today is more valuable than 100 rupees received after a week's time, value of time. The IRR measures that concept, right? Because our returns are all given on a monthly or quarterly basis, IRR became a better measure to tell our investors on how to look into this. I can tell you it's, it's been one of the most difficult parts of building grip to explain what IRR is and to prevent any kind of misunderstanding about it. IRR is not the same as Kager, is not the same as rate of return. And we're trying to do a lot to educate investors about it. I think there's still more to go because as you mentioned, it's not a very commonly used term. Yeah, I can't, I don't know the formula, man. I just <laughs> go into Excel and do e- equal to XIRR and time range and date range. I think that's the biggest challenge. <laughs> it's not something that you can do on a pen and paper. Yeah. You require an Excel sheet to be able to do it easily. Yeah. Otherwise, it does take a bit of so, time. Let's try this. Now, let's let's just try and generally differentiate between, you know, an FD rate of interest, yeah. okay, a CAGR, okay, mm-hmm. which is very easily one of the best examples of CAGR that I know is stock price. Sure. Okay, so and so stock price went up from X to Y and therefore over a period of time, that's CAGR. Let's look at it from that and at a very, very simplistic level. No yeah. need to get into, you know, major details and all that. But first, let's start with rate of return, you know, on an FD. What yeah. is that? Got it. Let's use a one-year time frame for all of this. Makes Perfect. calculation Lovely. super easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah? Yeah, yeah. If you invest 100 rupees today in an FD and you get 7 rupees back as interest at the end of one year, mm. so 100 plus 7, 107, your rate of return is 7%. Correct. Right? Which also is your Kager. Yeah. Right? 7% yeah. Kager. In that one-year time frame, your IRR is also 7%. So all three numbers will match because you had a single payment and a single return. Now let's start complicating things. Yeah. If you receive that 7 rupees instead, you know, say 85 pesa every month over the period of time and then 100 rupees back at the end of the tenure, mm. your Kager is still the 7. Your uh, return is also 7, but your IRR is more than 7. Ah, okay. Right? Okay. Because you okay. receive the money earlier and not at the end. Yeah. If we continue to use Kager or ROI, it would there would be no differentiation between the two cases that we spoke about. But the reality is the second case is much better for an investor because he's getting the money every single month. He can reinvest it, he can use it, yeah. and his risk is reducing, which is the power of using the IRR concept. Yeah, that's lovely, folks. And, you know, you'll find this in debt a lot. Like, debt mutual funds also have a lot of this. Just Google this out. It's uh, it's very interesting stuff. And the way that I like to learn about it is always an Excel file. Just, you know, just go into Excel and figure it out. Okay, Nikhil, what's been happening at, at Grip since we last spoke. We last spoke in December 2021. Here we are in March 2023. The episode will play in April. A lot has been happening. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. 
Yeah, maybe start with the you know the top level numbers, uh, which I think is a great indication of where this industry is going, not just GIP is going. I think when we spoke in December 21, um, our business was maybe around 50, 60 CR of business. We're proud to say today that we have enabled about 650 crores of investments through the platform. Uh, we're doing about 50 crores of investments or enabling 50 crores of investments every month mm. through the business. Uh, we've seen a similar scale up even in terms of the number of users on our platform. And I believe that this is an indication of where alternative investments as an industry is going. Most people believe, and just to this point, most people believe that alternatives for you know individual investors, platform-based is a small industry. But in the last 12 months, over a billion dollars has been invested in this industry across platforms. So I think scale has fundamentally changed uh, across our businesses. I think the second big thing that has happened is move to a much more regulated structure. And I would you know, give incredible credit to the work that SEBI has done in this. They came out with a discussion paper last year to think about how to offer more uh, fixed income products to retail investors. They understood that that was a need and on the base of a discussion paper also came out with regulation. I'd like to highlight a few key changes that happened there. Number one, they reduced the minimum ticket size for privately placed bonds by 90%. That's that's huge. What was avail- earlier available at a minimum ticket size of 10 lakhs mm-hmm. is now available at 1 lakh rupees. Privately placed bonds. Privately placed listed rated bonds oh. is now 1 lakh rupees. Okay. I think that's a massive forward step by SEBI in understanding that this is a market need. At the same time, they made it mandatory that it must be a listed and rated bond, which ensured that there was a certain amount of KYC diligence that was followed. Right, So you have a certain curation that was established. SEBI's also instructed the stock exchanges to accept UPI as a payment, right? making it really more accessible for people to do it. So I think that's the second big change. And we've been able to change alongside that regulatory direction, both in letter and spirit, to say we must only offer SEBI-regulated paper, ideally listed and rated. right? And that's the direction that the SEBI chairwoman sort of outlined. And then the third big change at our business has been a very, very heavy investment on the tech side. Our view is that the user, and you know, Anupam, we did some user surveys. We were sort of shocked by the results. We asked our users whether they would prefer a DIY approach, do-it-yourself approach, or would they like an advisor to invest? 78% people said they'd like a DIY approach. Wow. Less than 20% people said they'd like to have a advisor. 90% people said that they do their own research. Less than you know 20% said they relies on an advisor. Some people rely on family. But increasingly, we're seeing that for that age group of 30 to 40 people, white-collared, there is an increasing desire to take control of their money. They are curious, inquisitive to learn about new investments and then receive all the information transparently to make an investment decision. There does exist a little bit of distrust or mistrust on relationship managers, advisors, because they see a conflict of interest and hence people are preferring this approach. On the back of this, the third big change has been to double down on the product and offer a fantastic do-it-yourself super transparent investment experience. Uh, I find it very interesting, Nikhil, because you know, here we are. Is Silicon Valley Bank is gone. Crypto is having its own problems. SPF, as we know, was another thing altogether. So, you know, trust and technology. And since you mentioned that you're putting a lot into technology, yeah, um, it's just that probably I belong to some other generation. I'm not sure where, you know, whether an advisor at least makes some sort of difference for you. Sure. Which, in fact, brings me to the next question, right? You said 30 to 40 years old, white collar DIY does not really, you know, trust an advisor or anybody else wants to do his own stuff. Just talk about your ideal client or the kind of client base that you have before I go into the product. Who is this product good for in your view? 
Sure. And I'll also try to link it to the point on advisor, right? I think advisors play a very important role. I think the quality of advisors is a very important criteria, like of everything else, right? An advisor by itself is not an advisor. We can all say that we have a advisor, but I think the question is important. Why is robo-advisory becoming interesting, right? Because there is access to information, uh, there's access to being able to analyze that information and in a cheaper and more powerful format than ever before. Today, a user has access to chat GPT-4 at $20, the same computing power that an institution would have access to. And hence, in that world where information is is so democratized and these tools are so democratized, I think it's a, you, you're saying, what is my quality of advisor? And how can he take more control or give me more value add to the information that I already have? We work with a lot of advisors, right? I think it's a question about quality and how do you make sure that that's the right one in place? Linking it to the user, right? We typically see users who's, I would say, are working in IT services, legal, financial services, or early stage companies. The top metros and tier one cities account for about 60% of our total user base. Mm -hmm. 40% comes from tier two and NRIs, right? Um, And these are people who would have income levels over 15 lakh rupees. I would, you know, I've, I've said this many times, Grip is not your first investment product, right? Your first investment product should be your FT, should be mutual funds. And then as you think about diversifying, please come to platforms like Grip to look at options. Begin with options like corporate bonds, which are listed, rated, they're A-rated corporate bonds, and then begin your journey of diversifying into alternatives. But that's the cohort of people that we believe uh, should look at alternatives. Nice. Talk about the products now, because in this, we'll take a small break after that and we'll get into the SDIs. But sure. just tell us about the range of products that you've got. You said you've got bonds. I know that you've got SDIs. Let's talk sure. about that for a bit. Got it. The philosophy is to offer a range of products by yield and tenure, right? Wherever you think you fit, your risk reward fits, you should be able to have a product. Our lowest yield is 8.5%. Our highest yield is 16%. Our lowest tenure is one month. Our highest tenure is 60 months. So wherever you see yourself on that spectrum, you should be able to have a product at grip. We today offer products like corporate bonds, inventory financing, leasing, commercial real estate. And for people who are looking for a slightly more higher level of risk, early stage startup equity. Early stage startup equity, how does that work? I mean, do you have certain deals that are specific to you and you offer that and I sign up? I mean, and this is equity, right? This is equity. This is unlisted startup equity. uh, So, but it's still a secondary sale. So you'll have like an XYZ or someone who's there, who's someone from there is selling their share and you offer, you know, you kind of can patch that. It's both primary and secondary. So Ah, um, the way we've done it, and I think we've approached it interestingly is there are lots of companies who we lease to or provide inventory finance to. And these companies also raise equity capital. Whenever they raise a round, which is led by a VC, and this is very important. It cannot be a round that we have constructed on our own. This must be a high quality VC who's writing a significant million, $2 million, $10 million check. Can our users also participate at the same terms alongside this VC? You may not have the $1 million it requires to be a, you know, to invest in the VC, mm. but can you participate along with him? Those are the opportunities that we can create as a startup equity, yeah. again, through a SEBI regulated structure. Yeah. And I noticed that you went for yield this time and not IRR. So yeah. is there any difference out there? And you mentioned that there's, you know, one month or whatever. Just the learning that it's maybe easier from a from our context, from, a, you know, cultural context to understand yield. Huh. But that's the sort of range of yield that we offer. Uh, it just allows people to understand better. But yes. Yeah. Can you give us some examples of each of the buckets? I mean, each of the categories that you spoke about. Sure. You spoke about the, the equity part, but what does, you know, the one month product look like? Or what does the lease X look like? What does the in, inventory finance look like? Sure. So 
for example, a corporate bond, uh, Navi as an NBFC issues corporate bonds. It's an, if I remember correctly, an A plus or A rated paper. And that's an example of a corporate bond. Inventory finance would be to, for example, uh, a company, a, a footwear brand has shoe inventory and wants to raise finance against that inventory. You give it for one month, they will sell it and, and give you money back. LeaseX and probably our most interesting transaction till now, we have leased ATMs to co a company, ATM machines. And against that, the rental payment is the investment you're making. So you're very secure because the payment is ultimately coming from a bank. Uh, commercial real estate, our recent investment was in a project called LNT Seawoods in Navi Mumbai, where you were able to invest one lakh to own a piece of commercial property and earn rental income against it. And maybe the last startup equity deal we did was for a company called Zip Electric. They are a, the largest electric vehicle fleet operator in the country. And and uh, our investors got to participate in a $20 million equity round alongside the lead investors. Yeah, I'm, I'm can, you know, if I'm a listener right now, I'm just thinking what's the default rates and what are yeah. NPAs and has anything gone south? Have people lost money? What about that? Well, the answer, uh, you know, and touch wood is zero. Okay. Uh, we have a zero NPA rate. Uh, it's been close to, you know, 30, 30 odd months now. I'd like to believe that we are doing a very good job or we're, we're investing the right amount of effort and we have a very high degree of intention to act in the interest of people in terms of curating the deals. I can't tell you that will not happen, right? But I think our efforts in, in that direction is to make sure that it happens as less as probable. Uh, we've, we've been able to maintain this through a combination of credit underwriting, but also of asset management. Companies that we have worked with have shut down, have been sold to other companies, have had very difficult times. But because we've monitored them on a month-on-month -month basis, been able to do asset recovery, we've always been able to protect the investor and not have an NPA. I think the last step that we do is nudge investors to have more than one investment because that allows them to build a diversified pool. Mm. And today, on an average, a grip user has three investments on the platform. Nice. So folks, we'll get into a lot of the nitty gritty on the other side of this break, like I've been promising, but every time Nikhil says something, I want to get into more detail after that. But we will be back right after this short break. Okay, Nikhil, from the last time we spoke to today, the one thing that's very different and it's been there in the papers also is the SDI product that you've got. Securitized Debt Instrument. Okay, and I think you launched it when? Last year sometime? October 22. So, LeaseX is primarily that. Yes. Let's talk about that. What is it? Sure. I'll try to break down the SDI first and then I'll talk about what kind of investment it offers. Securitization, as the word sounds, Securitized Debt Invest Instrument. Securitization is basically when you convert any stream of future receivables into a financial product. You basically say, and, and Anupam, if I use an example, I have Nikhil's given a loan to someone. He's owed some interest payments. But what if Anupam wants to purchase those interest payments? Can I securitize and give it to you so that those interest payments come to you? That's securitization. The beauty is that it can be done for any product offering fixed returns. Our mainstay product, and we've always talked about it, is lease finance. We've been able to use this securitization paper to also do it for lease rentals that come on a month-on-month -month basis and convert that into an investment product. The SDI is a framework that has existed with SEBI since 2008. I think they were very forward-looking in creating it. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, it had never been utilized for creating such a product. One of the biggest milestones and something, you know, you can only hope to achieve as a founder is we were able to list the first ever SDI in this country on the National Stock Exchange on 7th October 22. Mm. And NSC was very gracious to allow us to come and ring the bell, uh, which was a very special moment uh, in our company's life. Uh, but since then, this has become a real mainstay product. From an investor's perspective, what this offers is monthly rentals against either a single or a pool of leased 
assets because it is regulated it is also required to be rated so we work very closely with crystal to rate each product it is also listed on the stock exchange and hence held in your dmat account by nature of this product the taxation is also efficient because it only applies on the interest income or the profit that you make from this instrument and that's what what is leasex is so you're a platform okay you don't own the asset and you don't have a book because obviously if you had a book then you'd be regulated by the RBI so how does the model work out in the sure. sense that there'll be a zip which is buying you know maybe batteries from some guy who makes ev batteries okay yeah. so you've got a buyer and you've got a seller explain how this works probably in this context or sure. any other context that you think is appropriate for our listeners to understand yeah. what's actually behind the sdi perfect um let me use the example of a company called everest fleet that we work with we're very proud to be associated with them so I'm going to use this example and uh, credit to the journey that they have had as a, as a founding team uh, everest fleet runs cars uh, cabs on uber's network there is a company uh, which is a you know let's call it company x company x buys these cars from maruti mm. and leases them to everest fleet under the lease agreement everest fleet is obligated to make monthly rental payments to company x company x securitizes these rent payments and assigns it to a sebi regulated trust structure and the trust then issues the sdi grip in this role acts to basically enable this transaction and find the investor and and do the placement this is the sort of the nature of the transaction that happens and the investor hence earns the rental that come out the assignment is done to a trust structure which is completely independent from grip and is managed by a regulated trustee okay so if i line up or let's say that i sign up on grip yes download the app and you know finish my kyc and i go in for this kind of a product or the the sdi so i'm basically buying paper that belongs to company x if i've understood it correctly technically you're buying paper that belongs to the trust and the trust has purchased or got this assigned from company x the originator is company x yeah so the trust kind of ring fences everything ring fences in my interest into right? interest tomorrow if company x sinks you at least and the trust will ensure that at least i get probably some money back or something you know because it's a financial podcast I'll, i'll get into some technical terms this is something called a bankruptcy remote structure where if even company x was to go bankrupt it has no impact on the transaction of the investor all cash flows coming from everest fleet are made into an escrow account and completely delinked from the operations of company x so the trust has complete control on the cash flows mm. okay so you know i make my money off that product That's the right. lease x product is an sdi that sits in my dmat account correct and what every month i get the every month okay and what are the tenures typically and what are the you know you call them yields you call them irs whatever what would it be in this specific case sure so the tenures are about 36 months uh, we are looking to also do a shorter tenure but we've currently done 36 month tenure the irr for this product uh, ranges between i would say 12% to 16% depending on the rating a double a or an a rated instrument would be 12% a triple b instrument would be 15 16% okay and so the income for me as an sdi investor are these monthly that's payments right. that's my income stream that comes in and this is taxable as normal income for me like Absolutely. if i'm a sal- let's take a profile of an it employee you know he's got a salary this would be classified right next to my dividend income of my fd income or whatever that's get tax at that slab so every month you receive a combination of principal plus interest it's mm. like an emi payment the principal is not taxable mm. the interest is taxable at your normal tax rate okay great i want to talk about the credit rating now okay how does what 
what is the role of credit rating out here? Um, is the instrument rated by Crystal or is company X rated by Crystal or are both? And how do you know what do those ratings mean to me as an investor? Sure, no, great question and really important. I think you know one of the big changes that has happened uh, from December 21 is also to be offer predominantly rated instruments. And as an individual investor, you're constantly thinking, how do I evaluate this? Right? I think a rating helps provide some benchmark of the risk and reward in the situation. Crystal and and the, and the rating agencies' job is to say what is the likelihood or what is the risk of the investor receiving these cash flows in whole, right? Is there likely to be, what is the risk I would assign on a default on this? As most people know, the rating scale, the best rating is a triple A uh, rating and the, you know, anything below a triple B is not investment grade. The same scale is used for these investment opportunities and an assignment of that rating would give a reflection of the credit agency's view on the chances of default on non-payment of risk, non-payment of returns. As you can imagine, the better the rating, the lower the returns Mm -hmm. because the risk is lower and that's how the pricing is done. Okay. And typically, what are the range of credit ratings that you've seen on the deals that you managed to get for your users? We've seen a range from double B to A plus. So that's quite a a bit of a wide range. Uh, And I think that's the beauty of the vision at grip right we want to offer that full spectrum so we also offer a spectrum of uh, of ratings double b to a plus giving you returns between 11 to 16 percent okay now the hairy stuff okay yeah what happens in case of a default let's say that company x you know everest took a lease or whatever three years from company x and you know they just go down somebody's going to bear the loss. Yes. Okay, so let's look at it from that perspective. Who bears the loss? And since you said it's a trust structure, it doesn't reach my doorstep, but it has to be somewhere. So how does that work? Yeah, I think it's very important for people to understand that as an investor, you bear the loss, right? Uh, Grip at no point of time is guaranteeing the returns Neither is the trustee nor is Everest Fleet, right? They're all contractual obligations, but there is no guarantee of returns. As an investor, if there is a, even a rupee of loss, it's on your balance sheet. There are certain things that we do to try to mitigate the loss. And, you know, credit underwriting, crystals or any rating agency's view is one, but there are other structural elements to it. The most important one is that every transaction has a security deposit, which means close to 12% of what you invested in is already received from the company as a cash deposit and held by the trust. So up to 12% of your transaction is protected on day one. Second is a hypothecation of the assets, in which case if Everest Fleet comes down, there is a ability to monetize those assets and recover value. I think the third is the monthly repayment structure, which is why that IRR concept is so important. Mm. On a yearly basis, you would receive close to 40% of your principal back in just 12 months. In 24 months, you've received nearly all your principal back. And hence the chance of default or loss of capital keeps reducing very significantly. Yeah, so you're saying that my worst case scenario is I might lose on interest maybe for a year, but my capital is intact. So if I'm putting in a lack, expecting, I don't know, say 10,000 per year. So 10,000 worst case scenario might go up and down, but the chances of the one lack getting destroyed are, you know, you'll try your level best and there are enough safeguards out there. Absolutely. I, I would, you know, take a little more conservative and say the worst case scenario is that you may lose up to 90% of your capital, huh. right? Assuming the company defaults on day one. But I think there's enough... You know, if there's a rating out there, we have done our work, we have a track record, I think you can believe that that is a very unlikely or the probability of that event is very low. As you correctly said, the way we think about it is the safeguards built would give a high degree of protection on capital. But yes, this is a alternative investment. It is There is a risk to it yeah. and investors must be prepared for it. Yeah. And it's very important, folks, remember what Nikhil said right at the start. He said that your primary product should be an FD, then mutual funds, and then when you want to diversify. 
देन दिस इज द काइंड ऑफ स्टफ डेट यू माइट वॉन्ट टू लुक एट बाकी आपके ऊपर है यू नो इट्स योर कॉल एट दी एंड ऑफ द डे आई थिंक एट आस्ट यू दिस इन द फर्स्ट एपिसोड ऑल वॉट वॉट वी एट डन बट जस्ट टू रिविजिट दैट इट्स अ हाइजीन क्वेश्चन वॉट हैपन्स इफ यू शट डाउन आई थिंक द the beautiful part is uh, bankruptcy remote right none of these structures in terms of returns have any dependency on grip the investor uh, is completely like grip has no role to play in ensuring these cash flows come they're all managed by a trustee and i think again you know to acknowledge the spirit of what sebi's regulation is this is exactly what allows that protection to happen and the more and more we we adopt these frameworks have become out with new regulations so we will be able to protect the investor from all such scenarios in the future today i can you know tell you confidently that if if grip was to shut down all the investments that have been made till now will continue as as promised nice and the demat so the instrument that i hold in my demat account that's how i'm going to say grip that's actually going to be saying the the trust what, name what you call come at the trust name trust name okay theek hai so folks just keep that in mind okay um you know when you go on grip's website or the app you might find you know those irrs or those yields or the but we've discussed that at length you can also revisit the older episode to get a real detailed understanding about how irrs and yields work nikhil you know what on a risk level of 0 being fd or whatever you know gsec level 200 which would be like really adventurous where do you think your investors are i'm trying to ask this you know because i'm an equities person i understand that more easily debt has always been too complicated for me yeah. on the risk spectrum what is a grip investor i want to talk about this equity debt thing for once I- I keep hearing it, you know. I keep getting this a lot uh, as feedback. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, we as investors, we have a very different pursu- mentality towards equity and debt. We actually think that if equity me pesa lose hua hai, it's okay, right? But debt me pesa lien lose hona chahiye. Correct. Right. Correct. And we don't necessarily look at in terms of how much money we lose and what's the returns, right? Which is the only benchmark. Ultimately, uh-huh. if you think of it at a base case, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. how much money you're losing or making, irrespective of the instrument. I would believe that there are lots of times that retail investors have lost. considerable amount of money on equity right but we 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 rarely talk about those instances companies have gone public and lost money on the ipo day there have been incidents with certain very you know triple a names uh, where people have lost money due to news events yep. as recently as last month uh, and that happens all the time and i would believe that if you're an equity investor you're actually having a much higher appetite for risk correct and i think that's important for us to think about how how we think about both sets of instruments if i look at purely the scale of what you ask for on a fixed income side and don't mix equity and <clears throat> and debt i think grip investors are probably in the 5 to 6 range or where they stand in the middle of the bucket there are some really exotic fixed income products that are possible that are out there we don't offer those uh, and then the fifth there in the 5 to 6 range where there is an certain appetite for investment maybe the last point anupam is that you know this also changes a little bit with your own personality your profile your other wealth you could be at you could perceive grip to be a really safe instrument or the investments on grip to be really safe because you have other financial security right and i think that's the important part of how you think about building a portfolio nice and last couple of questions on nikhil what's your take on the whole interest rate scenario because debt is a place to be yeah. equity so pura ka pura mar gaya aisa lag nahi raha ki kuch ho raha hai wahan pe what's your take what's you know um what do you think i'm going to ask this to you in two ways one do you think interest rates have peaked and two what's the kind of product that you know someone who just wants to play the interest rate side yes. should be looking at right now i would like to believe that interest rates are near their peak it would be difficult to believe that we have a significant more cycles of interest rate to go both from a you know because we're seeing inflation sort of stabilize taper off at the same time i think governments are conscious about impacting growth significantly we're seeing some of that play out in the us markets and the european markets more than we're seeing it play out in india so i think interest rates are near their peak whether there will be another 25 50 100 bips 
डिफिकल्ट टू कॉल आई थिंक गिविन दैट इज द एक्सपेक्टेशन एंड नॉट जस्ट मी आई थिंक लॉट्स ऑफ पीपल हु हैव दिस दे इज अ ग्रेट अपॉर्चुनिटी टू गेट इन टू बॉन्ड्स right or fixed income instruments because once the cycle starts reversing you have an opportunity to make great gains right and i th- i think the you know uh, one of my colleagues was in vietnam uh, over the weekend and he he posted this on linkedin he, you know the front page of the vietnam paper in ho chi minh city was about you know how bonds are are great for investors i think generally the flavor across the board is that bonds are a good investment or fixed income is a good investment it could be lesex same same rational applies uh, for investors at this point of time what lies ahead for grip what are your future plans like um the idea is to double down on exactly what i talked about regulated products um improving our technology stack and i think the third part is um actually doubling down on how we work with some of the more sophisticated wealth advisors in terms of getting our products out there we believe the lesex and corporate bonds and some of the other products we have that we are coming out with are really interesting and attractive from a individual investor's point of view a lot of focus this year is going to be how do we get it out there for more people I would like to believe that Grip has been a little bit under the radar as a brand uh, over the last two years because we wanted to get the product right, and I think you know there's no point of beating the drum about something that that is not regulated or not not compliant. And the best thing that could happen to us is to be able to apply for a license. I think it's the it's the best thing that could happen to an investment platform. I think with that behind our back, uh, we just we believe that we can be a little bit more aggressive uh, in talking about our regulated listed products and giving more chance to people to at least see it. and then decide to invest nice and i wish you all the best with those plans thank you so much okay nikhil final question um you know any content that you're reading anything you're watching any recommendation for our listeners uh, i read this really interesting book there's a gentleman called steve schwarzman uh, he's the founder and md of blackstone group um someone who's you know blackstone as a group is truly inspirational to anyone who is building in the wealth industry asset management industry and i think uh, his personal journey um and i think the candidness with which he talks about the failures the struggles in his book was you know something that uh-huh. was really worth reading i think what stood out you know apart from the journey what stood out for me in the book was this approach to institution building and i think that's really important when you think about a financial services business right how do you bring the right people in how do you grow your business to last 100 years um how do you think about giving back how do you play an advisory role and how mr swazman played an advisory role to presidents of the us uh, to policy makers to ceos of companies and that was a really that was one of the best books i read it it was not necessarily financial uh, but i think it's about building a financial giant in the in possibly the right way and a lot of inspiration for the team and me at at grip to think about how we can bring some of those attributes into how we build build grip Fantastic! Thank you for that, Nikhil. And that is a wrap on this episode of Pesa Vesa. My guest, Nikhil Agarwal, founder and CEO. Nikhil, thank you so much for joining us, for our listeners. Thank you so much, Anupam, for having me. Great. And listeners, if you like this podcast, please do become a Club Pesa Vesa subscriber. You get full archive access, early access to episodes, ad-free experience, and bonus content in the form of my takes on each episode. Rupees six nine nine per year introductory offer. And you can check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM Network. You can listen to us on the IVM Podcast app or IVMPodcast dot com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are IVM Pod. Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I'm your host Anupam Gupta, P50 on Twitter, folks. And thank you so much for listening to Pesa Vesa. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.